You know how to start this episode with this. Come on now. Let's go. Like DC said in the embedded, he's like, none of our team understands any of the words, but we all fucking love this song. Dude, I'm, I'm with it. I dig it. I like this jam. I looked up the translations and uh, it's a pretty sweet song. Showing a lot of love to Dagestan, a lot of loyalty. It's like we were born here, we're going to die here. It's, uh, I don't know, it's been kind of synonymous with any Khabib walkout or Khabib fight. It's obviously where me and a lot of other people have heard of the song or learned of it. But, all right, guys, welcome to episode 55 of the DLSS podcast. I'm D-Love, that's Nate. UFC 254, it's wrapped. And what can you say about the sheer dominance Khabib Nurmagomedov has displayed inside that octagon and in general throughout the course of a perfect 29-0 and career as he calls it a day, calls it to quits. He, he retired in the ring, took off his gloves. And I'll quote GSP when I say, what a perfect way to go out on top, capping off a perfect career with a nearly perfect and absolutely dominant performance. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov submits Justin Gaethje by triangle choke puts him to sleep actually which is kind of interesting because he definitely tapped a few times but uh, uh we'll get into this later but i think kind of in the back when you talk to the refs uh, ahead of time every single time when these hard-ass hard-headed fighters are like do not stop it early let me go out do not stop the fight so maybe he just uh did what he asked and let him go out and let him go out on the shield but Congratulations, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Absolutely dominant performance. And uh, we'll get into all the retirement speculation and everything later. But UFC 254, again, was a hell of a card. Only ended up having three decisions on the entire card. So, of course, we're going to recap the action from the entire night. Get the predictions challenge recap going as far as the points go. And then look ahead to next weekend, Halloween night. Uriah Hall is taking on Anderson Silva and what he's publicly put out as his retirement fight. So uh, we're definitely going to get into all the action. Lots to talk about. No time to waste. But before we get into anything, this episode is brought to you by Dave DeCourcy and the DeCourcy Group. Guys, I've been pleading with you. If you need to take some cash out of the equity of your home or if you need to get a loan to purchase a home, please support the people that support the show. Visit www.thedecourcygroup.com. Com. That's T-H-E-D-E-C-O-U-R-C-Y group.com. Let them know DLSS sent you, and it really helps us out a lot. So thanks again, Dave, for always supporting the show, and we appreciate it. Lastly, before we move on to the action, though, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to my boy Jeff. You know how we're always supporting small businesses and independent businesses, local businesses here on the DLSS podcast. So my boy Jeff um, on Instagram, his Instagram is Hefe underscore OC. Uh, But he started a new business, a side hustle. So he's basically doing like vintage luxury ads for people so if people want to get a you know a promo made or or things like that and they like that kind of classic look but also luxury um so check him out he made a new page for it it's um ad vintage lux is like the main name but the um like name name is jeff vintage luxury ads so make sure to check him out on instagram and show your support let him know the dls this podcast sent you and uh i just want to make sure to uh, always be promoting and, and supporting those that support the show and everyone's got their side businesses and their side hustles and things they're trying to do right now um and yeah it's always better to to buy and shop independent local and and i just always wanted to always want to bolster that market as well as support the homies and the people who reached out to me and continue to support the show whether it be just giving me some good feedback or um, you know obviously listening every week so thanks Jeff for the support and hopefully you guys go and give him some support as well Uh, as far as small businesses things like that before we just I'm sorry to bore you with all these things but 
The D loves turmeric tonic starting to take off, getting the logo finished up. Thank you, Natalie, for the help with that. Rudy, I still want your help, so keep it going. See if you can get me some of the font uh, lettering and things like that. I would appreciate it. But uh, if, in general, you guys are interested and want to give it a, a shot, please make sure to reach out to me. But I started a, an Instagram for that specifically only. It's literally called DLoves underscore turmeric underscore tonic. So look me up on Instagram, give me a follow, and let me know if I can make you a batch. But with all that stuff out of the way, let me just pose this to you. I'm going to start out by quoting a tweet from Luke Thomas uh, about Khabib, and it says, quote, Khabib is 29-0 and was never knocked down or cut in a professional MMA contest. You can literally not say that about any other UFC champion ever. So I pitch it over to you and with the initial question, which is, is Khabib the GOAT? Is Khabib the GOAT? He had an unstoppable tear in the UFC, just dismantling every opponent who the UFC put in front of him. He's 29-0. 29-0 is insane, and especially insane when you run through every opponent you are handed. Uh, He made Justin honestly look levels below him. I definitely consider him the GOAT based on his record, his performance, and his humility and professionalism. Um, You know, we can consider Jones, we can consider Silva, we can consider all these men. I mean, there's plenty of goats, especially in different divisions, the greatest of all times in certain divisions. But when it comes to perfect record, he's 29-0, never been beaten. Never being knocked down or cut is a whole nother level in itself. And um, being uh, staying out of trouble, never popping for anything, uh, super humble, professional. Um, Man, he checks all my boxes. So I, I, I could, for now, until... The new goat arrives. I would definitely consider him one of the pound for pound, pound for pound best fighters, and and definitely the goat in, in in mixed martial arts. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad the things that you brought up. You're talking about outside the cage and things like that because those things definitely go into my considerations for yeah. what makes someone the greatest of all time. But it's subjective, right? And that's that's kind of my point. So I I, I kind of set you up there, and anybody that has this discussion, and I'm gonna read my Twitter rant I had earlier to try to collect my thoughts because I have a lot of them about this, and and not to dismiss anybody's you know achievements or anything like that, which we'll get into all this. I'm just gonna read this. I put Khabib is not the goat in all caps, right? Uh, just obviously to get people's attention, but I put nobody is. Although a fun ex- you know, thought experiment and conversation to be had at times, the greatest of all time discussion is literal fantasy. It's in no way legitimate. It's an attempt actually, in fact, to describe a moment or moments in time. If you check out the GSP interview with Ariel straight up uh, after the fight, uh, he did one with him and another good one with Chael. GSP was very complimentary. He's like I have quoted him now twice in, uh, in this episode, but he was talking about that. It's really to represent and it's really mostly actually about a moment in time, not a, not you know in the course of all time and of course we've talked about in the past on the episodes that I'm really weird with words and and sometimes take things extra literal so I get that so let me read this whole rant I got to that part and I'll continue I put greatness character achievement legacy these things are real don't get me wrong but the circumstances surrounding them are always unique and can't be compared and so I put like for instance debating Dr. J versus LeBron right in basketball I put People who do that, it's literally pointless because the game and players are so far from the same thing in time, then and now, that it's it's just doesn't make any sense. It's pointless. And I put, I get that it's natural that we chimps like to rank everything to establish some sort of order and control over our lives. But these types of things that I mentioned earlier, like greatness, achievement, legacy, things like that, need to be appreciated almost in a vacuum because I don't want you to diminish the greatness of others by trying to establish some sort of order of it all. 
um, until we, and then this is kind of satirical and, and sarcastic, but I put until we've reached the end of time and have an inventory on everything that's ever happened ever, the goat will elude us. So let's just appreciate and enjoy phenomenal feats of human achievement for what they are and stop all this nonsense. Now, I have to give credit to Justin from the gym, Justin Telefi. I can't pronounce his freaking Filipino last name, uh, but I'll put I put this in the in the tweet. But he gave me this. I put last thing I'll say is I totally understand that the quote greatest and up until this point in time end quote isn't nearly as catchy or fun. So it makes sense why we all just stick to what we're doing. But I couldn't help but to say my piece. So. In terms of like that expression, maybe it bothers me because I'm really weird with words and I take things extra literally. Um, but just the whole discussion is a water cooler discussion. You know, it's 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 a good thing topic for discussion, but it's like you were saying, things outside the cage. Not only his in cage stuff is his perfect record, which records can be you know dispelled in terms of strength of schedule. Not in his case, I don't believe, but you know everything can always be debated, and it's always the terms by which you're determining if someone's the greatest of all time, you know, sometimes people can determine that in terms of like pay-per-view sales, right? Not to say that that's what I established someone's greatness based off of, but other people might. So the conversation's kind of silly. And I know people sometimes get, you know, in debate, like get angry at each other about it and they just don't see it each other's way. So I felt I wanted to give this opportunity not to take away anything from Khabib and what he's just achieved in his retirement fight, but it's it's just kind of one of those things. So I wanted to say my piece on it. Now, now dominance. A couple different fights ago, they were starting to push this narrative about him being the most dominant champion of all time. Obviously, perfection never being bested in the ring is a representation of being dominant. Not only how he finishes his fights, there was a, a stat that came out. He's the only champion to finish the last three of his fights by submission in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so just overall, the way he's been able to achieve the success that he has in, in the octagon in terms of his dominance. Now, that's something I can get behind. So, why don't you transition into talking about the actual fight and how you saw it play out, and then we'll kind of go from there. Um, I did not expect it to play out nearly the way it did. Um, Khabib really just came out with a lot of pressure, not fearing Gaethje's power, was actually the one putting Gaethje on the back foot and was just throwing with him. He was striking him. He was landing more than Gaethje, too. He was hitting him with some good left-hook right hands. He was jabbing a lot. I mean, his head was down. His hands were all over the place. I mean, it was it was quite the wild fight. Both of them were... The adrenaline was through the roof, but, I mean, Gaethje was uncomfortable with that pressure, um, which I was very surprised with. Even his coaches in the first round were like, slow it down, slow it down, dude. Like, relax. Uh, you know, he did come out and try to kick the legs a little bit, but, you know, um, overall, he couldn't... With just the pressure uh, of... Khabib and worrying about the striking of Khabib he I I think he really planned for Khabib to kind of sit back and be a sitting target not strike as much and be very just like no striking and waiting to shoot Mm -hmm. Uh, and that wasn't the case at all it's the complete opposite Gaethje obviously uh you know did get a couple shots in where we could see the test of Khabib's chin there was one shot that definitely kind of wobbled him a little bit but I mean for like a split second he was off balance and then he shot the double leg took him down um and then in round two, you know, it was just, you know, within a minute and 24 seconds, uh, Khabib was able to, again, get a hold of him and, and just instantly uh, got him down to the ground. It went from an arm bar position 
to a uh, triangle transition to a uh, what arm triangle? No, so it was like mounted. It was like he was a mounted mount. going for. That he was went, in the end of the I, first I like round. He, yeah. Uh, right. And this, this one, it, he was in mount. He went for like a mounted triangle, which mm-hmm. a lot of that setup does require for you to finish it by rolling onto your back, which is what he did. And Justin's defense was to try to pick him up and slam him, but yeah, you he, you pointed out that you know you lace the leg when you're yeah. trying to do that, and it gives it. There's no way to do it. And slam, picking up someone and slamming them is not the proper defense to that. Exactly. Uh, it just sinks you in even more. Um, so overall, it was a, a just a really dominating performance. Um, you know, there was like a sense of urgency for Khabib to get out of there, which takes us. I mean, I, I we'll take, talk about those little those details little at details the end at before the end. we go to the next fight. Yeah. But, but there's uh, a yeah. bunch of outside the cage kind of drama and speculation that we. I don't want to make sure I want to make sure not to forget. But let's stick to just the fight for this point. But yeah, I mean. It's that's all she wrote. I mean, he just outstruck Justin. Yep. He took du- Justin down and just outgrappled him. And really, and I, when I mean outgrappled, I mean he transitioned into like his final three transitions before getting that triangle within seconds. It was boom, 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 done. And then uh, you could see uh, Gaethje tapping, but um, you know it was a different angle. I mean, it, it's debatable, but whatever. It's not a big deal. I mean. Uh, either way, he, he went out, the ref caught it, um, and that's all she wrote. Um, Justin Gaethje was super, super respectful after the fight. Um, I think this was just a moment where Gaethje just was caught in the adrenaline and uh, was anxious and was not expecting the pressure and, and kind of went back to his old ways of just swinging. You know, we didn't see that patient, calm. You know, he did listen a little bit in that second round. In the second round, he did start to come and use the leg kicks again, but uh, Khabib was just pressing him. Way unexpected. The way he pressed Khabib was true. Literally, like when I saw Khabib, keep, Khabib was like in my head. Khabib was saying, "Come on, bro, I I strike. Let's go now." <laughs> like I'm going to like he did. He was he was there to strike. I was very surprised. It was a very risky move by Khabib, and obviously Gaethje wasn't expecting it. We weren't expecting it, and you know, congratulations, Khabib. One thing I wanted to touch on is, you know, with the goat conversation. You know, I consider him a a, a goat. Um, you know, but there's there's a lot of other people to talk about, and some things that I think we forget why the goats, you know, scenario like you're talking about is very difficult to really choose who a goat is, or especially when it comes to different timelines and generations. Is you have to some things that play in factor for other people is like yeah, he he was 29 and 0, but some people were like 20 and 0 and, and change weight classes and one and like you know going up in weight classes, taking risk and fighting super fights. You know, some of those things make people a goat, even if they win or lose. It's uh, Khabib stayed in that division. Um, some people, I mean, Connor went in other divisions, and I'm not saying Connor's a goat. So guys, don't get because Connor started losing a lot and made a lot of mistakes outside of the ring and outside of the cage. So, but you know, sometimes those are things to take in consideration. Like GSP changed weight classes; he even went up to middleweight to fight Bisbing, won the title, relinquished it, and then you know, he, you know, GSP is also a very dominant fighter. And is one of the greatest of all times that I think, especially for that his his former division, which was welterweight, um, correct, right? Yeah, and middleweight. he cleaned out the division he during cl- his yeah. initial run, like you're kind of speaking yes, of to but, but about Khabib in the lightweight division. Yes, one thing that you have to do look at with Khabib though is when it, that's why I say the best of the generation is because um, Khabib, a lot of his fights were straight dominating. GSP had a lot of close fights and a lot of war, especially like with Nick Diaz. That's why I, I like get behind. I like I can get behind the whole most dominant champion of yeah, all time thing absolutely. because that's a reflection of how they finished their fights, not just that they won. I mean, when you look at it from like perfection, twenty nine and zero, 
barely got touched. Stayed in the lightweight division. He's I I would say he's the best lightweight of That's all time. That's what I was going to say. I'm a bit of, I was being a little bit facetious earlier when time, I was saying, you know? you know, I don't consider the GOAT discussion at all. But if for I am division. going to, I, I would admit that if I'm going to use that term, for the lightweight, 100% lightweight GOAT. Yeah. And, and even in general, like, depending on what you're gauging the conversation on, I could consider him the GOAT. Yeah, there's just so many factors, I mean, for the GOAT because there's so many um, – scenarios in MMA and it's not it's not an open uh, I don't want to say I don't know what the words I'm saying for it but it's not as easy as you think it is to 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 choose who the goat is there's so many things that play a factor in a lot of people's minds a lot of people that debate on what the goat would be and what would not like for me uh, changing weight classes and 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 testing yourself and risking yourself and well, that could be more like for because the, those same problems arise when you're getting in a pound for pound discussion. Because exactly. for me, the pound for pound discussion is if Mighty Mouse was the same size as John Jones, who would win? Like if they were the same size. Uh, but other people use pound for pounds, like they'll go through accolades and rankings and people's like achievements and throughout. That's usually what and people that's are referring and so that's to. more of like a math equation that yeah. determines the pound for pound. And even that is just as is just as you know imaginary in terms of the actual answer. It's more yeah. of just a debate discussion and type of concept. I feel like pound for pound is more fitting for people that go up and down and wait exactly and that's why I was, so that's why yeah. it's, it's again that's why it's very hard to do it but one of the greatest of all time because then now you get into this let's combine them pound yeah. for pound goat yes so i would say one of the greatest of all times undefeated i think he'll be the top one or two for now but one of the greatest of all times for sure is khabib Nurmagomedov. um again one of the greatest of all times but you know there's so many other fighters in so many different generations that have been considered the greatest. Of course, you could look back so. and say, what about the guys that had to f- win three fights in one night to win their tournament? You know, like, which is a completely be, different challenge. But they were also fighting fighters that have not nearly the skill of what people exactly. have today. So it's just it's, it's it, kind of a, a circular conversation, circular logic. But it's fun. It's fun for debate. It's fun, it's fun to discuss. But it, it, that's kind of where I fall on it. But again, being a little bit facetious about it in general, I don't want to take anything away from his achievement. 29 and 0. Now, records, records are written down in history they're in the record books now you could maybe talk about the strength of schedule and say who he fought and things like that but in general it was an amazing achievement no one else has been able to get through their career especially in the division like lightweight <coughs> pardon me and come away unscathed and unbeaten undisputed undefeated lightweight champion congratulations i didn't really get to talk too much about the fight but i wanted to just say like frankie's always taught us if you're punching they're kicking it or you're they're punching you're kicking and vice versa right so you have to overwhelm the mind as well as overwhelm them with skills so khabib is one of those people one of those few people that's been able to weaponize pressure and pace justin gaethje i'm glad you brought this up earlier was just like every one of Khabib's opponents, so concerned about what he was going to do in terms of the game plan that everyone knows coming, that he was on a, uh, on the defense and he was 100% reactive to what Khabib was doing. And they they gauged wrong. They thought it was going to be mostly you know spamming takedowns like you were talking about, where Khabib came out similar to the Barboza fight and tried to smother all those kicks, although Justin did land a few good ones. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Justin's good footwork, he did the best anyone else has ever done in eluding Khabib on the feet for the most part, but it just wasn't enough in the end. Those those hard shots that Justin did land were him going backwards and taking angles. So a lot of times there's, you know, some of the powers taken off of yep, him, stuff like absolutely. that. And Khabib's chin was gigantic, which will kind of transition into some of the like outside the cage speculation stuff surrounding this fight before we move on to the next one. But you know, Mike Dolce put out a video. There's a lot of kind of conspiracy theories about Khabib being heavy for this fight. He did absolutely look gigantic in comparison to Justin in the actual octagon. I'm assuming he was 190 plus. He's always that big in terms of being, you know. 
very huge for the division and dif- having difficulty making weight. But the video definitely showed the inspector kind of rush along the way in, and he was first on the scale and did look pretty sucked out. So, you know, conspiracy theorists uh, unite, but all that being the case, I don't take anything away from him. Justin nope. didn't seem to take anything nope. away from him. So just this completely crazy performance. Why don't you tell him about the other two things we, we heard about? Well, you know, obviously, I'm sure most of you who are hearing this podcast now have already heard, you know, that originally the speculation was broken foot, but he actually just has a broken toe. Um, so he ha- not only did he have a broken toe, but he also had the mumps, which is a very bad infection in your in your throat and your saliva glands, which makes you very fatigued, fever. So Khabib missed about three weeks of training camp, which might explain the theory or the conspiracy theory on the weight cut issue. I mean, he, you know, he couldn't really run or work out or do much for three weeks but still surprisingly the pace and the the output that he was able to put out and the dominating wrestling and transitions that he was able to do against Gaethje was maybe just, maybe another reason why he went for the finish early we've early, seen it happen in and third and fourth that, round that, that, that's possibly it and the jiu-jitsu discrepancy was was very noticeable like Gaethje's never had run into this problem in the past because he's got such amazing scrambling abilities it keeps mm-hmm. it on the feet and power and all that stuff but you know you saw Gaethje was able to circle off a hip and sprawl immediately but the yeah. Khabib chain wrestling once that momentum was completed he actually continued it to circle all the way around and complete the takedown yeah. and, and take his back both times times so you know the initial sprawl was explosive but ultimately i think khabib knew jujitsu wise i get him on his well he doesn't want to be on his back i get him on his back and there you know what i mean he'll either give me his back or he'll transition to a different position but then khabib's already ready for that position he's ready for every position you're going to transfer to and then he's just going to 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 either take side mount side control or he's just going to he's going to just manipulate you and yeah we saw that it's like no matter which way you go if, if you put yourself in any unsafe position he just he's going to chain things together i think that's the one thing we noticed with with uh a lot of people now that i think about it that fight khabib is that like justin had the initial sprawl and he was all right i got the sprawl but then there's four other chains coming oh i didn't get the sprawl i'm gonna go higher and try to get a single leg up oh, he blocked single leg i'm gonna go for the ankle i'm gonna pick the ankle and then he's gonna keep going and keep going it's like bing bing bing, bing until he gets you down yeah. typically so it's, it's the like rinse he, and repeat on the fence stuff can, but he did he had success in open space this time yeah it's just uh you know he just doesn't stop so I, you can't sleep like just because you sprawl and you stop that initial uh, incoming takedown attempt doesn't mean that he's not uh, that you're done because he's going to chain three four other things together he's got four he, he's got plans that if you stuff that first takedown or the first double leg he's going to go to an ankle pick or he's going to try to take that single leg and, and he dra- said it in the pre-fight post conferences or press conference he's like Dagestani wrestling I'm ready to go 100 you know 100 takedowns in a row 25 minutes straight so I mean Justin Gaethje phenomenal fighter we're going to see him come back and then obviously the Absolutely. title is now vacant because could be retired and then we got michael chandler so and then you know potentially dustin and uh connor are supposed to be fighting in january and they're talking about putting the vacant title up for that like and tony's out here in the waiting in the wings so there's all tony's kinds pretty of pissed off so yeah absolutely <laughs> right now he's and pretty there's upset so many different things that i'm thinking of right now but we've already been we're 23 minutes in we got to move on so episode. yeah if you guys have any more questions about that feel free to dm us directly and, and we'll try to yeah. answer but when the time comes and those fights come then we'll discuss uh possible outcomes and possible fights so uh we'll see but guys congratulations to khabib 
guys, if you haven't seen the fight, go check it out. Super quick fight. I mean, two rounds, but it's just a monumental fight and a great speech at the end uh, and great sh- uh, sportsmanship by Gaethje. And I, I love Gaethje, and I can't wait to see him perform. And he's only growing. But that takes us – we'll run through the next uh, few fights on the UFC 254 card. Uh, Robert Whitaker, which was a co-main event versus Jared Cannonier. Honestly, Robert Whitaker just outclassed Jared. That's the one thing me and you were talking about before the fight started is, you know, I was just – watching Jared and watching uh, Whitaker throughout the week. And I just, you know, realized that Whitaker's just faster, better on the, on the feet and he's got power and he's just got great angles and he's very hard to touch, you know? So his movement and jab uh, were on point for this fight. Uh, And you could tell that the counter pad work really paid off. He really did a great job of just being in and out, kind of like a sideways karate stance, just in and out, in and out. His jab was on fire. Um, He didn't overexpose himself to much power, even implemented some grappling. Um, Overall, Whitaker was just too much for Jared to handle. Uh, Whitaker, just his in and out movement. Jared couldn't find his range. Uh, and Whitaker was just able to, uh, you know, three rounds just show uh, his level in the game compared to uh, Jared. I think Jared um, started off with some hard kicks, some really good solid kicks. Um, did you could see some damage on that on that left knee of Whitaker or right knee? No, it was left knee. Yeah, sorry, left knee. He switches stances sometimes. Yeah, exactly. You know? uh, we try to be exact here. We're professionals, you know. <laughs> but. Um, you know, overall, I wish Jared was able to warm up with his hands a little more and get comfortable and close the distance and, and try to mix it up a little bit more. I, I felt like he really relied on his kicks, and when they didn't end up working too well, his hands were just not warm enough. They weren't there. It was hard for him to find the rhythm, and by the late second round, he just he couldn't catch up. So congratulations to Robert Whitaker. What do you got to say? It just I, I echo everything that you say, and, like, I want to kind of just burn through these because they spent so much time on, yeah. the, on the first one, you know, you know, righteously. It deserved it. Okay. But Robert Whitaker man throwback performance for Bobby Knuckles I almost don't like saying throwback because it's actually a combination of you know his his vibrance and, and his and his tenacity from his Romero fights but an evolved Robert Whitaker someone that's learned from the kind of dips that he's gone through with after losing to the champ Izzy and and kind of the mental burnout and him is revamping his entire like camp and the way he does things and he just seems so mentally locked in and enjoying himself that that's translating in the cage so he looked extremely sharp that jab was phenomenal and you know like you said Jared couldn't really get started, and I feel like a lot of that had to do with Whitaker's movement, and mm-hmm. he completely outclassed him. I, I could say a lot more, but congratulations to the Reaper, Bobby Knuckles. I'm looking forward to seeing. I think you, beggars can't be choosers, man. If Izzy was going to be calling out Cannoneer if he won this fight, I feel like Robert deserves a rematch. I and, do too. And I personally think if that Robert Whitaker faces Izzy, I'm not calling going as far as to say I think he beats him, but it's going to be a way it's better a completely fight. different, way, way better, more competitive yeah. fight. Absolutely. All right, guys, then we have Alexander Volkov just murks Walt Harris. Walt came out strong, but later on in the first round, Volkov punches and power and pressure just started to buckle Walt Harris. And in the second round, Volkov was able to get the finish. Um, then the next fight, guys, we have Phil uh, Haas destroys Jacob Malhoun in 18 seconds. Not much more to say other than that, guys. I could tell you the combination, but I encourage you to go look it up yourself. Um Next fight, we had Lauren Murphy. She just outstrikes and outgrapples her opponents. Obviously, I chose wrong in this one. You know, I try to 
choose the underdog points. I forget the girl's name. I'm not even describe it. I could look it up right now, but we want to get to the next card. And obviously. it won't matter in the it second when you hear the predictions challenge. Yeah. It won't fucking matter. Anyway, she was able to win in every area. She calls out a title shot. I think she will get a title shot eventually, but right now, my, my personal opinion is I think that they're going to set up a contender fight, uh, and then the contender of that fight will win. And Shevchenko's facing Maya, I remembered from last week. Yes. So after that, we'll have to see where the division so shakes I think, out. I don't, I don't think Laura Murphy's quite there yet. I think she got one more to prove. I think there's a couple other contenders that deserve also to see if they belonged in that title shot. So we'll see. Then, you know, final card on that, uh, final fight on that main card, which was the first fight on the main card. We have Magomed Anklav. Finally. <laughs> knocks, <laughs> knocks out Ian Kudalaba, just like we uh, predicted. Dude, um, uh, for three reschedules after a rematch from last February, there was so much anticipation for this fight that even though it was an amazing knockout and it was like super exciting, it's almost like it didn't live up to how much it was anticipated because how many times it got rescheduled. But, you know, that was, I feel like the inevitable outcome from the first fight all the way until a year later it if finally you, finishes. Yeah, the, the tweet that, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Derek Lewis put out oh, yeah. great. He's another bad stoppage. Dude, which Derek is Lewis is hilarious. You know, uh, and I just want to touch up on, uh, obviously, Ty Tuvesa knocks out Stefan Struve. Whoop, whoop. Nathaniel Wood and Casey Kenny was fight of the night. Yes, it was sir. an excellent fight. Close Casey, fight. Very close. Casey Kenny was just able to be a little better in certain grappling exchanges in, 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 in the early rounds. But Nathaniel Wood came on strong in the late second, third round. It looked really good. It's one of those things we have to figure out what part of leg kicks is significant or not because he landed 57 leg kicks. A lot kicks, of leg kicks. And he was out, pour, out striking him in terms of total strikes. That's Wood, that is, because he landed a lot of leg kicks but it's like it's subjective and some of them do more damage than others and I personally love leg kicks but it's like it's it's an interesting challenge to try to determine how much to consider them in the overall weighing of the fight yes uh one thing to look at too is uh if you guys look at the stats like Dustin's talking about the leg kicks were a big part but Casey Kenny also had a lot of body shots too true and a lot of head strikes and he was and, and the numbers were close uh and, and and inside if you're watching the fight the exchanges are tip for tat it's not like Nathaniel Wood for one round 50 of those strikes landed in you know, Casey Kenny's playing catch-up. No, it was back and forth. This is definitely one worth so. going to watch the replay. Fight of the night. Yeah. And then we had a welterweight fight. Alex Cowboy Oliveira versus Shavak Rocknamov. Um, man, debuter uh, just absolutely smashes Alex Oliveira. Lands a hard knee to the body, puts him down, is able to get a nasty standing guillotine. Yeah, dude, that guy is, always makes me nervous when a, a prospect off the regional scene looks amazing. He's got huge underdog score and then comes in and faces a name like Oliveira. So for him to get a scalp like that in his first fight in the UFC, he's going to be going places. Well, guys, that is it for UFC 254. Congratulations to Khabib again on being one of the most dominant MMA fighters in the lightweight division and in the UFC, period. Undisputed. Yes. Undefeated. Is he the GOAT? Obviously, we talked about it. There's a lot of... Uh, that's for you to decide. That's for you to decide, guys. But that is it for UFC 254. The next fight night we have coming up is UFC Fight Night Hall versus Silva. It's going to be awesome. We have Uriah Hall coming back to face the legend. Possibly another GOAT, Anderson Silva. So we'll be right back, guys. When we come back, we're going to hit you with the predictions challenge, give you our points, and uh, we'll see who did well this week. And we'll start off. Wink, wink. You know, we'll see. So, guys, stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Real quick before we jump into the picks for next week, predictions challenge. Damn, I can't seem to catch a break. This fool, we started out 178 to 164. Both got three points on the unanimous decision for Casey Kenny. Uh, both got two points on the Ankalaev TKO. Uh, both got one point for Volkov. 
and then both got a goose egg for Cannoneer. But in terms of the different picks, Nate got four points on the two of us to pick first round KO uh, by the underdog. So four points there. And then I got two points on Murphy coming away in the second round, but I called TKO and she ended up finishing with a sub, so only two points there. And then the Khabib fight, he went with unanimous decision, so we got one point there. I did call the sub, but I called it late in the fifth. So the fact that it happened early only got me two points. So the week wraps 11 to 10, man. Just one more point, just inching up. Only got a few more weeks, a few more cards. It's getting close to November, man, so I got to do something quick. But with that in mind, let's take a look at next week so it gets the picks going for UFC Fight Night. Uriah Hall is taking on Anderson the Spider Silva. Actually, at first glance, when you take a look at this card, I know we're just coming off the stacked UFC 254 card, but this card's got a lot of fun fights on it, too. Real quick, before we get down to breaking down the entirety of the card and giving you our picks, got to give a shout-out to our boy Frankie Mercado over there at MMT Fitness. Anderson the Spider Silva, absolutely his favorite fighter. Um, he's got some signed gloves. We've competed against him in kickboxing. Our boy Logan competed against Gabriel Silva in IFS. Uh, so we've met Anderson and in, in his group and everything like that. Total mensch, great guy but Frankie's favorite fighter, so I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, bring up Frankie in this card. And also, um, the Trunk or Treat event at MMT Fitness on Halloween. You know, there's a lot of restrictions on being able to do trick-or-treating during COVID times, and everything's kind of out of whack right now with the world. So if you guys don't have anywhere to go and you got some little ones that want to trick-or-treat, try to enjoy the festivities, come down to MMT Fitness in Laguna Niguel. Uh, check out their Instagram for details, at MMT Fitness. That way uh, you can come down and your kids can have a safe environment and a fun environment to go and uh, trunk or treat instead of trick or treat so uh, but as far as the card goes, there's a lot of fun fights. The co-main events, Andre Touchy Feely taking on our boy Bryce Mitchell. So that's going to be a hell of a fight. Kevin Holland's coming back to fight Mahmoud Muradov. That guy, Mahmoud, is the one and only TMT MMA fighter. The only MMA fighter uh, managed by Floyd Mayweather, actually, in his group. So uh, I believe he's had one or two fights so far in the UFC, and he's done well. So obviously someone to keep an eye on if they're behind him. Maurice the Crochet Boss Green's taking on Greg the what, what is it the um the prince of war hardy greg hardy's coming back to take on maurice green that's going to be a hell of a heavyweight fight and then our boy bobby green's coming back to take on tiago moises and that's just the main card everybody so that's i mean it's a hell of a card i think it's got a lot of fun fights um down on the prelims sean strickland is taking on jack marshman uh and courtney casey's coming back to have another I mean, it doesn't even have an opponent. Maybe it's TBA. Not sure. Oh, of course. Go look at best fight odds, then you'll see. It looks like Priscilla Cacha beating. I mean, Priscilla Cachuera is coming in to take on Courtney Casey. So there's a lot of fun fights in this card. So let's get into it right now. Cacha beating. Yeah. That's funny. Paul Shaughnessy. <laughs> Shout out to Paul Shag. Dude, that's so funny that her, they're like, oh, we'll put her on the odds, but, you know. The odd, yeah. odd makers want to show her. I mean, tr- trust me, she's got a picture. Right I've seen now. her picture and in the UFC she's before. Nine in, she's nine and three, guys. Got a better record than Courtney Casey, but probably uh, not any UFC experience, so probably hasn't faced the same level of opponent. So, anyways, we're not going to talk about that, guys. I think the first card, I'm sorry, first fight we're going to talk about our, or call is going to be on the prelims. The one fight that we're going to choose is going to be Christopher Grutzenmacher versus Alexander Hernandez. Nailed it. All right, so uh, I think this fight's a really close fight. Um, Alexander Hernandez is coming off of a win, and so is Chris. Uh, uh, Hernandez just got KO'd by Dober. I'm sorry. He he just got KO'd by Dober. I lied. Uh, Chris is coming off of a win, but the records both have been on and off, win-loss, win-loss. 
Alexander Hernandez was a prospect for a while. He fought Cerrone and got knocked out. And then he's got, I I, I would say he's fought in the, the higher experience fighters than Chris has. But um, Chris, Alexander's a heavy, heavy favorite. Um, but, you know, I feel like Chris is a contender, man. Looking at his topology record um, and looking at um, just his finishes. Uh, he's a finisher. He's like lost two in his last like 10 or 12. Yeah. Or like so, you know, honestly, uh, I'm going to have to use this as an underdog pick. Get some more points on you. I'm gonna say Chris Grutzenmacher, 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 Grutzenmacher. I think it's Grutzenmacher. I think you're right. Chris Grutzenmacher, third round uh, submission. Yeah, I think submission's a good call. I saw I'm I've seen this guy fight in the Ultimate Fighter a long time ago. I don't remember what season. We just looked at him, and I can't recall. Um, and I'm pretty sure that was like his bread and butter. Granted, he's got some decision wins and stuff like that, but. Um, He's very, you know, at least from what I remember, he was good in the grappling department. Um, I can't see them visually uh, sized up next to each other. I mean, 5'8 to 5'9, 68 to 72. So um, unless he's got a significant size advantage on him uh, in this fight, I, I'm going to go with the, the well-known commodity, the person that's been in the UFC. Granted, he's had bumps in the road up and down. I'm going to go with the – I mean, I, I – I, like you, don't necessarily agree with how wide the spread is, but I'm going to go with the favorite, Alexander Hernandez. I think he's going to bounce back. Um, and granted, Drew Dober's a killer, and he's only getting better, so um, I'm just struggling. As of now, I have the right to change, but just to hurry along, I'm going to go with Alexander Hernandez, unanimous decision. Yeah, that seems safe, and you know, in reality, I think that's how it might go, but you know, this guy... If Chris gets the sub, there you go. I'll be killing it. I mean... I usually don't pick subs, and usually I don't get them anyways. Uh, so I might not get the points, but uh, you know Alex is a tough guy, so I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a TKO involved in this fight. Um, all right, yeah. well, prelims are done. How this much, main card, man? Are we, we going to call all these ones on the main card? Yes, sir. All right, they're all people I know. They're all exciting fights. All right. The only person that you don't necessarily know is who I was mentioning earlier, the TMT fighter. Uh, what was his name? Mahmoud Muradov. I've seen him fight. I think once. You know. I, We'll look it up right now and double check. But, you know, I think it was kind of a showcase fight. This is the Floyd Mayweather managed fighter and brought him in and had him do well. And, and now he's actually facing a real test. So I'm excited to see him go yeah. up against Big Mouth, Kevin Holland. Uh, but the next fight, guys, we're going to call it's going to be Bobby Green versus Tiago Moises. Is that right? Moises? Yeah. Moises. All right. So um, Bobby Green's been on a tear lately. Uh, he's won his last three fights. Is uh, You know, Clay, beat Clay Guida. I mean, Clay Guida's kind of old, but... <laughs> Uh, beat, but Clay Guida still puts on the fight. Uh, beat Lando Venata, and then he beat Alan Patrick, who, uh, what you were talking about earlier, is also, well, off the record, also is was a jiu-jitsu threat. And, you know, that's what we have to look at with Thiago Moises here uh, about the threat of jiu-jitsu here. And is that going to play a factor, whether Bobby Green can win or not? You know, Bobby Green, in my opinion, is is on fire right now. Uh, his last performance, he just tuned Alan Patrick up. He looked great on the feet. He's, he's got great wrestling defense. Um and uh, I feel like he, he's very well-rounded and he's very underestimated here uh, by a lot of people in the division, but obviously not in this fight. He's the favorite. But I'm going to go based on just the pattern here. Um, I think this, you know, I think Tiago's going to be a tough opponent. I think Tiago's going to, uh, he's, he's Bobby Green's going to have to be very careful and patient with how he approaches and attacks if he doesn't want to get taken down or if he doesn't want to get put in a, a, a bad position to where he can get taken down and submitted. 
So I think Bobby Green's going to stay light on his feet, move around, use his range, and I think he's going to use those hands of his, and I think Bobby Green's going to win this fight by dis- unanimous decision. All right, and if you guys remember this guy, Moises, it was the fight where Michael Johnson in his last fight was tuning him up, looked as good as he's ever looked in this first round, and then 25 seconds into the second round, Moises got him down and then subbed Michael Johnson. So uh, like Nate was just alluding to, it's kind of a similar matchup to the Alon Patrick fight that uh, Bobby Green just uh, ended up winning a decision on. So I think it's going to look a lot similar to that, although I feel like Moises is probably more of a threat on the feet than uh, Patrick was. So it's going to look similar but be a little bit more competitive on the feet, but ultimately end up the same. So I'm going with your Bobby Green unanimous decision. All right. That takes us to our next fight, which should be a banger. Heavyweight Maurice Green versus Greg Hardy. This fight's an interesting one. I think they're both pretty evenly matched when it comes to experience. Obviously, Maurice Green has is 9-5, and five, has more experience, but he's lost 5. Uh, his record is 9-5. Is, is and five. Greg Hardy's is 6-2. One no contest, obviously, from the inhaler incident. They both have one fighter. Uh, you know, originally I was going to pick, like, based on who their toughest opponents are and how they're performing recently. You know, Maurice Green fought Olenek, and Greg Hardy fought Volkov. They both lost to them. But um, they're both tough opponents. Um, Maurice Green had a couple submission victories. Greg Hardy's more of a stand-up knockout artist. I mean, if if it goes to the ground, I'd give it to Maurice Green. But, you know, Greg Hardy went, you know, all three rounds with Volkov. And we just saw Volkov's performance. And I think it's really showing you the growth and the and the strength that and, and, and really just the growth that Greg Hardy's possessing. And he's only getting better. He's only, you know, he's so fresh, and he just started MMA. So I'm gonna. He's the favorite here. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. I think Greg Hardy's gonna win. I think it's gonna be by decision. Okay, that makes sense. Rory Screen's got a little bit more UFC experience, although, like you said, his records, his win loss ratio isn't the best. But um, got up against some tough opponents. You know, Greg Hardy, to his credit, though, like what you were just pointing out against Volkov. I mean. Credit to him just to get through all three rounds with Volkov. So, or a five rounder. I would think it was a, the main event, was it not? I'm pretty I, sure I it was a five like rounder. It was five rounds. Yeah. So either way, Greg Hardy, to your point, has evolved very quickly. His his athleticism that he's taken from uh, his previous sporting career and and his abilities to just really learn fast. He's like I said before in previous episodes, he lives at the dorms. Um, I'm trying to think. I believe it's at AK. Either way, he lives at the dorms at the gym. And he's he's 100 all in, and he's getting better fight to fight. So, I'm gonna go with Greg Hardy too. Uh, Maurice Green's got. I don't know about size overall, but he's got a height advantage on him. Um, shows that Greg Hardy gets uh, hits the 265 limit, and Maurice is just under it at least in his last fight. So I'm going to go with Greg Hardy, but I think he does get it done. I think the Maurice Green is a little slow and plotting sometimes, and it might leave him open for, to something, uh, you know, one of those bombs that Greg Hardy throws. So yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying to think about. I think you're right. If it gets to the ground and Greg Hardy gets tired and is on his back or something like. Maurice Green maybe be able to do like something. Like a rear naked or something. Something, but, but if if I'm right about that Volkov fight and Greg Hardy's been five rounds, then then I'm not worried about his cardio at all. So I'm going to go Greg Hardy, and I'm going to say he gets it done inside the distance. I'm going to go. I'm going to help you out real quick because I, I just looked at it, and it was three rounds. It was. Yeah, maybe. Okay. I felt like, for me, too, I thought, I thought it was, it was five rounds, event, too. I thought it was two, but apparently it was only three rounds. Might have been one of those rare success. main events that was not five. But yeah. I'm going to go Maurice. Uh, Maurice. No, I'm going to go Greg Hardy, and I'm going to go second round KO. Yeah. I can see how you think it, the veteran savvy and the and the ability Maurice Green has, especially with his length, maybe can uh, take it all three. But I'm going to go Greg Hardy second round KO. Man, I want to go KO. No. No, I'm going to stay. 
reserved right now. All right, guys. Well, that's our picks for that fight. Takes us to the next fight on the card, which is middleweight Kevin Holland versus, you want to pronounce this? Mahmoud? It's not on the, my, my Mahmoud, screen. Sorry. Mahmoud Moradov. That was my best. I I can't really tell you where I... Oh man, it's hard for me to debate where this is going. Um, they're both on uh, win streaks. Uh, we got uh, Mahmoud, two-fight win streak. Kevin Holland, three-fight win streak. Um, you know, I would say Mahmoud is probably the more accurate and more precise striker, but I would say Kevin Holland has the power advantage. Um, I also saw in Mahmoud's previous fight that he got taken up pretty easily, and his opponent really can control him, but Kevin Holland's got really really good control, and he's got great submissions. Uh, I know Kevin Holland is the favorite. Uh, I'm going to have to go with the favorite here. I think he's going to be able to get a hold of him. And I think uh, Mahmoud is in and out moving, though. He leaves his chin exposed. I know Holland's got some power. Uh, is it going to be TKO, unanimous decision, or, uh, you know, I don't know. I have to go with the, the you know, Mahmoud's got some experience. He's got great movement. I feel like it's going to be hard for Kevin to connect uh, in the early rounds. Uh, I'm going to say that he's going to, I'm going to say Kevin Holland, unanimous decision. I'm always struggling with going inside the distance. I always think of a path to victory for the you know person I'm going with, or even both for that matter, and and seeing it get finished. I think Kevin Holland, if it goes late and uh, Mahmoud has any cardio issues, which we haven't seen him really. I like that Trevor Smith fight's the one you were referring to. I mean, it went went deep into the fight, and there was a, a decent amount of grappling pressure, and his cardio held up. But I feel like Kevin Holland is just another level, and he's got um, he's got length. He's got height. I mean, I feel like he's going to be touching him up from the outside, although, to your point, uh, Mahmoud have, does have really good movement and uh, footwork and things of that nature. So I don't know. Uh, I'm struggling. I think I'm going to go Kevin Holland decision at this point, too, unanimous decision. But mm -hmm. closer we get, I might end up switching to inside the distance. All right, guys, that leaves us to our featherweight main – I'm sorry, main event. Our featherweight co-main event. It's going to be Andre Touchy Feely. Oh, this going to be a good one versus Bryce Mitchell. This would be an interesting fight, man. I love watching Bryce Mitchell fight. Um, he's such a bulldog, man. Uh, his last three wins are against Bobby Moffitt. He that was his first win in the UFC at uh, round three, obviously a decision. Then his next fight was against Matt Sales, round one submission. And then his most recent fight was against Charles Rosa, a tough, tough man. Charles Rosa is a tough guy. That's the fight where he put on like three or four attempts to the twister. Yeah. It's like twister to arm triangle, twister to head and arm choke, yeah. twister to head and arm choke. So decision, uh, he won that round three. So, you know, I know Andre Feely is the underdog, but I think Bryce Mitchell is like a, a mini Khabib man. Um, he's just got such a, a nasty ground game. He's super aggressive. He gets got cardio for days, and I've seen Andre Feely – when he gets taken on, he sits on the ground a little bit too long. And I think Bryce is going to be very hard to get get off of him. I feel like this fight's going to go to the point where, like, Bryce Mitchell's going to get him down late in the second and third round. He's just going to he's just gonna have a dominating grappling performance. And he's going to – and Andre Feely's going to have a hard time getting back up. And then and the problem is we see this a lot. Andre gets taken down, uh, finally gets up. But by the time he gets up, it's, like, late into the round. And then he's having a hard time keeping up in the striking department and really just can't get the finish. He's trying to catch up, yeah. You know, and then and then the, and the third round goes the same. So I'm going to say Bryce Mitchell. I know Andre Feely's got good he, – he's a great, well-rounded fighter. He's got much more experience and fought in a lot t tougher guys so far. Not saying Bryce Mitchell isn't tough. So but I, Bryce I, Mitchell hasn't lost in the UFC. So. You know, exactly. But um, when it comes to, uh, ex like – level of opponents and and Andre Feely's fought a much higher level I would say than Bryce Mitchell has ever fought especially if Bryce Mitchell isn't even quite there yet but when it comes to grappling 
I think Bryce Mitchell is is the way to go for me. So I'm going to say Bryce Mitchell. I think Andre Philly, though, is going to be tough. I feel like he's going to be scrambly, um, but I feel like Bryce Mitchell is going to be able to close the distance. I don't see a submission. I feel like it's going to be an up-and-down battle for Andre Feely, and Bryce Mitchell is not going to be able to quite get the submission, but I feel like he uh, is going to have a dominating performance. Anyways, I'm, I'm talking about how I see it in my head, but it's hard to explain. Uh, anyways, Bryce Mitchell, I think, is going to win unanimous decision. I'll keep it short and sweet. Yeah, so it's like you think he might be getting close to finishing him a few times here and there late in the fight, but just... Yeah, you know, be able to scramble. I think, I think and just Feely's just got survive. good enough ground. He's got lengthy legs and, and lengthy limbs. I think he's going to be able to, you know, shrimp and transition and and just be able to get out of submissions and and not be so threatened there. But I feel like he's going to be manipulated and he's going to really have to fight his way back up. It's going to be very hard for him to get back up. When he does get back up, if he does, it's going to be in the later rounds. He's going to play catch up and yeah, we've seen it before. So. Yeah, I kind of see it going potentially that same exact way. I'm going to go with the underdog though. I think this is one that's worthy of the underdog stab. Um, I, ex- I agree. You know, the extra point with the with the experience in the UFC, although, to your point, Bryce Mitchell is tearing through all his opponents. He's taking them down. It's uh, all la Khabib. You know, whether he gets the finish or not, it's just kind of they're all just dealing with Bryce Mitchell's grappling the entire fight. That Charles Rosa fight was a hellish, a hellish pace. So, but, you know, Andre Feely, although he's lost a lot of kind of split decisions in his career, but won a few splits as well. But, you know, against Calvin Cater and a couple other higher-level opponents, and I think he's got that... Uh, Going for him, the the level of opponent, the the stakes that he's he's fought under. I feel like he's gonna not be, um, you know, not panic. He'll be able to stay calm. So if he's able to scramble out of those positions and get back to the feet, not just survive, as you're putting it, <clears throat> I feel like he's got the potential to to carve himself out of decision. I don't necessarily see him putting away Bryce Mitchell, but I'm gonna go with the underdog here, Andre Feely, unanimous decision. All right, guys, that takes us to our main event. Uriah Hall versus Anderson Silva. Man. Both the co-main and the main are the one of the, you know the one of those fights. It's like I you know I guess be glad to be wrong or just don't want one of them the two to lose because I like both fighters. Yeah. I like you know what they're about and they're outside the the octagon personalities as well. Um, but they're also very both very talented and it's a close going to be a fun fight. But it's one of those you wish neither of them had to lose. Yeah, and uh, I guess it could be a draw, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Anderson did confirm that this is his last fight, man. Uh, and, and this is a fight, I would say, back when Uriah first came into the division when he was killing it before he had his hiccups, that people were like, man, this would, this might be the new, you know, Anderson Silva. This would be the fight to watch. And now we're looking here, and Uriah Hall is facing Anderson Silva, and it's going to be Anderson Silva's last one. So I'm going to, guys, give you a couple predictions on what I think is going to happen or what could happen. And why my mind is swayed in the way it is. We I saw, know what you're going to say. We haven't talked about this, but I can almost guarantee we, I know what you're going to say about Uriah. You know... What it, he could potentially do as well, a mistake. Yes. You know, if he respects Anderson Silva too much, then... Um, I Let me start off this way. I think Uriah Hall, based on age, athleticism, and performance, and chin compared to Silva now, that's... I didn't say technique and and style and abilities. I mean, he's got all the abilities. Um, so I did say abilities. I'm just running my mouth and sounding stupid now. <laughs> it happens. Uriah Hall possesses the power, the athleticism, and has all the fight IQ and technique to compete with Silva. I think Uriah Hall, regarding Silva's chin now and what it used to be now and his age, I feel like Uriah Hall has... a 
this will benefit Hall if he doesn't respect Silva. If he respects Silva like Izzy did, then it's going to be a close fight. That's what I think. If Uriah Hall goes for the kill and is more aggressive than he normally is and doesn't respect him too much and is able to um, not hesitate and, and is able to perform like the Uriah Hall we all love and know, like the spinning back kick dragon killer. I, I don't know why I said dragon killer because like killing dragons is the most coolest thing. Like only you a, could think of right only now. Like a, only like a, like a gnarly guy could kill a dragon, right? Only the best knight can kill a dragon. <laughs> One spinning know? back kick right to the liver of the dragon. Yes. Drops him. You know, so, hey, if Uriahal doesn't respect Anderson Silva, then I can see it going to, like, uh, Uriah. I think Uriahal could finish him. Um, if he could touch him on the chin, if he can press him, if he can not be afraid of Anderson Silva's counters, if he can smother him and, and utilize his full kickboxing abilities, his clinching, his kneeing. Silva's very slick, too. But I think that Silva's chin isn't quite there. So I think if Uriahal can just stand, uh, you know, stand up and... Uh, continue to smother and clinch and not, not hesitate, then I feel like he can get a, a KO. Um, but that's not what I think is going to happen. I think, uh, you know, the same thing regarding Izzy had the potential to knock out Silva. But it, what happens is you see a lot of fighters fight Silva and respect him so much that they they kind of, it turns into like a touch sparring match or a very distance match or the fighters are, like that fight Silva are not hesitant or I mean are hesitant, or play at range, or play Silva's game. But what I tend to notice is that Silva, that's Silva fighting as Silva and what he's capable of now. So if Uriah Hall would just not play the same game as Silva and and, and, and realize he's he's capable of outpacing Silva, and, and I feel like he's capable of putting on just as much of a clinic as Silva would back in his uh, earlier days, I feel like Uriah Hall can win. I know I'm rambling. I am just rambling, but this is a fight worthy of talking about. What I think is going to happen is he's going to respect him too much. Um, it's going to be a close fight, and Silva's going to pass the torch. I think Uriahal's going to win. I think it's going to be by decision, a unanimous decision. I don't think that um, Uriahal's going to finish him. I feel like he respects him too much. I feel like Silva's still got a, l a lot of tricky stuff in him, and I feel like even though I think Hall could go in and get the kill because Silva's chin's not there, and I don't think Silva's uh, body, you know, for being his age and his injuries, especially with his, his leg and stuff, I don't think that he could keep up if someone would really press him hard, and especially someone with the capabilities of Hall. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Hall and him are going to get into, like, a fancy push-kick battle. Wait, wait, I have a question, though. Range. Have yeah, a question. Do you think is going to respect him too much? I do. Okay. I do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I I mean, I we personally know Uriah. You know he come. He's come to the gym before, especially when Gaslamin was training there with Jay Walk for a long time. And um, Uriah Hall's a very—he's a gentle soul. He's a gentle soul, but yeah. he, I know what he's capable of. And um, I'm—I—I'm I, telling you, I hope he doesn't respect Silva because you know I—I—it's his last fight, and I feel like that's going to play a part in it too. Oh, it's Silva's last fight. Do I really? He's so nice. He's like, do I really want to finish him? No, I think he'll point out a decision. Because uh, we've seen that happen in Silva's last few fights, especially with Izzy. Like, uh, we felt like there could have been more action in it, and we felt like they both kind of just like it was a passing of the torch, as you would say. Um, you know, because we've seen Izzy get in some firefights with younger, fresher competition and finish Costa like it was nothing. It Costa it kills people. Um, so, not say this is Anderson Silva we're talking about. You know, Anderson Silva, you know, came back. Uh, well, fought in a day's notice, I think, against Cormier and almost dropped him. So, you know, there's not, and went up a weight class, a heavyweight, so or light heavyweight. So, I mean, Silva is capable of anything. I want Silva to win. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, 
man, it's tough. I'm talking a lot because my man. I'm also thinking like I really want Uriah Hall not to respect him and finish Silva, even though it's Silva's last fight. Like this, Uriah Hall needs a a, a good win if he wants to stay in the UFC and if he wants to keep moving up. Um, so I, I don't know, but for now I'm gonna say it's gonna be a fun fight. I feel like it's gonna be kind of like a a mirroring fight of the Izzy fight. And I feel like Uriah Hall could finish him, but he's going to respect him too much. And I feel like he's going to win still, but outside outside of distance. And that he's going to win based on the fact that he's younger, fresher, a little more agile, and a little. Uh, and you know, I think he's going to be able to just be a little faster than Silva at the moment. And uh, I think he's going to win by unanimous decision. All right. Um, I think Uriah Hall has all the physical talent and ability, technical ability, like you you were saying earlier. To, to be the champion, in fact, in this division, to face Izzy and to, and to potentially beat him. Um, I've said this many a times about Uriah, and it might sound like it's an insult, and it's totally not. It's, in fact, the exact opposite. But he's a mental case. He's a head case. If he, uh, because he's such a kind soul and a good person, and, and he struggles with hurting people, and but he's so physically capable of doing it because he's Destroying so damn talented. Um, so it's like, you know, you even heard Jared Carradineer talking about his pre-fight interview to this weekend that, you know, my opponent is a husk. He's a shell. He's a he's a blank slate. He's not an actual human being. So Uriah Hall, if, you know, he can continue to, to have success putting himself in a mental state where he's kind of numb or cold or doesn't, like you said, respect the individual, respect the idol in Anderson Silva, respect the fact that it's his last fight. And, um, you know, if he doesn't think too much, it just goes out there and it does what he's on what he's capable of. I I sincerely think he can get the finish in. He finished Pavon Lewis. He finished his last fight. Uh, won his last fight. So I think him uh, recently moving out to Texas and training at Fortis MMA and this whole change up of his his team and, and his whole lifestyle, I feel like has really helped him in that regard. Maybe humbled him to the point to where he's able to go in and just kind of do the job, but. <clears throat> the X factor is the fact that it's the retirement, like you're talking about, because will that creep in? Will that affect his ability to maybe have that killer instinct if he has him hurt and go in there and finish him? But I'm going to count on the the trend of his last couple fights of him coming out and performing closer to what I feel like he's capable of. And sorry to say it, and Anderson Silva is definitely one of my all-time favorite fighters. I mean, I've been watching the sport 20-plus years, so I, I saw his success and was around when he was at the top of his game. So you never want to see someone like that lose, but... You know, it's it. He's going in there in his last fight against the killer, so the chance is always there. And I'm gonna go with Uriah Hall, and I'm gonna go since it's a five round fight that he finishes him in the fifth round. I'm gonna go Uriah Hall. I might switch this, but fifth round TKO. That's right. It's five rounds. I might have to switch. Um, yeah, five rounds. You said fifth. Yeah. I'm gonna say fourth round TKO. I can um, see it going to decision too. I to could be honest. too, but I think. I I don't know with five rounds I don't I think it's gonna if he comes in with that mindset he's gonna be doing enough damage accumulating enough damage over the course of rounds that I feel like he'll be able to put him away at some point if he if you never know like he could get to the point where he's ahead in the scorecards knowing he's dominating and then the thought creeps in that it's you know his what? retirement I'm gonna stay with you so then decision because five off, pulls five, off the gas because five rounds even easier for him because by the third round I feel like he can really start to outpoint out cardio. Silva, but he still has plenty of time. So I think he'll be able to win easier unanimous decision. There's no rush, especially with three rounds compared to five. Sure. And I feel like he'll feel okay without pointing Silva and moving and being able to just beat him to the punch and then and still not finish him. And then he has a, at least a good 
last fight. That, I'm you know, banking on something explosive that hurts Silva to I, the I, point where the fight's going to get finished no matter what because then it takes yeah. the, con- the thought and the consideration out of your eyes, uh, like mine. Like, if he has him hurt, yeah. and, and then, like... There's no doubt in my mind that if he has him hurt, he's going to finish him. My whole point is it's going to get to the point where he has him hurt. You know, that's that. That's what I'm curious to see, but, you know, we'll find out. Uh, but overall, I, I mean, that's it. Yeah, I get, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. It's going down on Halloween, October thirty first, a uh, week from yesterday. A week, so it's this coming Saturday, guys, make sure not to miss it. Um, and then, do you have any last words or final thoughts or anything? Uh, no. Well, yeah. Uh, all I can say is, guys, regarding this fight, man, it's gonna. This is Silva's last fight. It's something to watch. I know we're all gonna be tuning in, and uh, we want. I would love to see Silva win, especially with a, a fa- fabulous knockout, like a, a crazy finish, you know. But, you know, we're just going with our picks for now, our opinions. But uh, I look forward to seeing it, guys. Make sure you do check out MMT's Trunk or Treat. Our neighbors downstairs are actually going to cater the event. I got a hold of them. They have a taco company. So there's going to be tons of stuff there. You can bring your kids there. We're going to have candy in the trunks. Um, it's going to be a good time. $100 uh, prize for uh, best costume. So make sure you guys check that out. Uh, honestly, uh, it's going to be fun. And uh, obviously, make sure you check out the fights as well. Yep. So that does it for this. Make sure to come back for next week's episode because we're going to be, of course, recapping all the action from all the fights that go down in UFC uh, Hall versus Silva. And we're going to be looking ahead to next week, giving you our breakdown of predictions for UFC Fight Night. Uh, Tiago Santos is taking on Glover Teixeira, so that's going to be a lot of fun. But thanks again, Nate. I appreciate you every single week helping me out. Yeah, no problem. All right. But that's it. That does it for this week's installment of the D-Love Special Sauce Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes. Give us a positive review. Five-star rating, hopefully. Don't forget to turn the notification bell on. That way you're on top of all the most current content. And while you're supporting us, a small independent podcast, make sure to go check out and support the small businessmen and women who support the show, just like you guys, by listening every single week. My boy Eden, eating buttery pancakes, slash I get people shredded on IG. Monique Taylor with strongwomendesigns.com. Nora, my girl, with DreamLoudCollections.com. Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care. Caesar with OC Party Rentals. Mac Noodles, Hibachi Chef. Angie Snyder with Holistic Healing Services. And last but not least, MMT Fitness. Check out their Instagram. Make sure to come and check out the gym. Exit the 5 Freeway off Avery Parkway. First class is always free. Make sure to tell them DLSS sent you. But until next week, same time and same place, we're out of here. Enjoy the fights.